Welcome to the Amity Bible Church with our pastor, Dr. Les Smith. Our vision is to become the church that Christ intended it to be, to know God and to make Him known as our mission. And we are committed to loving God, serving others, and are unashamedly obsessed with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can always get the message online, YouTube, Facebook, and our podcast that's air on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you like and subscribe to all three. Pastor Martin has the final message on the Power of a Gentle Spirit series. In today's word, he explains how we should be gentle like Jesus. Follow along in your Bible or your Bible app to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Now, let's listen as Pastor Martin dives deeper into the message. This is a passage of scripture that I'm sure that if you've been around church, uh, any length of time, you've heard it either quoted or referenced. And essentially it stands as the very basis for our evangelistic mission in terms of taking the good news and sharing it with someone because it is in that good news where we recognize the invitation that we see here that Jesus is saying, come to me. All you who are laborers, and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. In a number of professions, um, it is a common practice to travel the world to study under the best. This is done because there is a strong sense and belief that in order to be the best, you can study under the best. And there's something uniquely distinctive about learning or sitting under the best. Now, Jesus was the master of gentleness. And as we've been talking about the power of a gentle spirit, we can look to him because Jesus actually gives us a, a sample or he gives us a model of what it means to operate and live with a gentle spirit. And simply put, he was the best at it. So if we understand this practice that's common amongst those who uh, would want to uh, become better in their profession, we can then recognize that if we are going to become individuals who maximize or take advantage of the power of a gentle spirit, we're going to do that learning under Jesus. So it is necessary for us to spend time learning under Jesus. So today, we're going to conclude a sermon series we've been working through all month long that's entitled The Power of a Gentle Spirit. And the thing that we're wanting you to understand is that we, we, when we think about meekness or gentleness, because we live in such an aggressive society, oftentimes when someone is meek or gentle, it seems to be weakness. It seems that when someone uh, will approach you and say things to you, they assume that you're not responding because of fear or because you are intimidated. But not all the time are you intimidated. Sometimes it's that you're trying to be like Jesus and not respond the way you used to. The songwriter said, the things I used to do, 
I don't do no more the things I used to say. I don't say no more. But that is a daily, intentional Amen. pursuit. Amen. So the first thing I want to establish today, so that we all understand that gentleness is not weakness. So my first point for you today, this morning is, Jesus was, and don't get it twisted, a gentle giant. He was a gentle giant because even in our text today, verse 29, it says, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit. Now, here's the thing. I'm saying that he's a gentle giant because we established a couple weeks ago that gentleness is actually a powerful thing. According to Proverbs uh, 16 and 32, here's what it says. is that he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a whole city. So being able to operate with calm and understanding that I could do more, but in this instance, less is more. So he's a gentle giant because if we know this, Jesus was the personification of power under control. To explore this, let's look at a couple examples. One, there's a moment in which he's in a boat with his disciples and the wind and the waves are stirring so much so that the disciples get afraid and believe that possibly the boat will capsize and they would die. They run out and say, Jesus, do you care that we're perishing? And here's how he walked up. I could just see him smoothly walking up. Because Jesus is always the calming presence in a tumultuous situation. So he, I can see him just walking up slowly and getting off to the edge of the boat and saying, Peace, be still. So here we see that this power, this gentle giant who has not harmed anyone and is there to help and to be there as a companion and friend is stepping out and even the wind so much so that the men that were watching, they said, what kind of man is this? That even the wind obey him. Here's another example. Uh, there was a case where he had gotten word that a friend of his was sick and sick unto death. And they said, would you come quickly because our brother Lazarus is going to die. Jesus to make sure that they understood that just because the situation seems to be urgent, he doesn't have to become anxious because of his power. He waits a couple days and then he comes and when he arrives, they said, too late. He's already gone. Jesus said, no, this sickness ain't unto, is, not, is not unto death. So he walks up, and Pastor dealt with this last week. He walks out to the graveyard. He said, where is he? He goes out, and he finds Lazarus' tomb, and he says, remove the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Pastor said it this way. He said, he said, it's always been said that he had to call Lazarus by name because if he said, just simply said, come forth, everybody would have come forth. But notice the power that he has. Here's another example. We also see him, uh, he's, th th he's, he's been preaching all day. 
and it's getting late in the evening, and the disciple says, Master, they, these people have been listening to you preach all day and teach all day, but we, we need to feed them, but we don't have anything. He said, well, see what we've got. They go out and they canvass the crowd, and we understand that the crowd consisted of 5,000 men, and they didn't count the women and children. So they say, Master, we have a little boy, and we, he just brought some lunch his mama gave him. It's just a couple fish and five biscuits. But this is not much. We got all these people. He said, have everybody sit down. And he looks up and he, he, he blesses it and he hands it and now distribute this. And when they got done distributing all of this, the Bible records that they collected. Wait a minute. They started with a little boy's sack lunch. But when they got done, they collected 12 baskets of scraps. Here's one last one. Even as he has done all of these things, and he finds himself on the night that he's getting ready to be tried. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, 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 and Judas comes in with the crowd, and, and, and they're ready to take him to jail. And Peter gets excited. And he pulls his knife out and he cuts off the servant's ear. After putting the ear back on power, he puts the ear back on and he tells, he says, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. But look what he says. He says, don't you know that if I were to have requested my father, he would have sent 12 legions of angels and they would have come to my restroom instantly. A legion is somewhere between three and 5,000. He said, listen, I would have a whole army come if I would have requested. But he's a gentle giant. He didn't want to harm them. He was there to save them. And here's the thing. If you're making notes, note this. Not only was he the personification of power under control, he actually mastered gentleness. Because see, after they had tried him and lied on him and they spit on him and, and humiliated him and publicly uh, made him a public display, he's hanging on the cross. And they still want to humiliate him further. They're, they're ripping up his garments to distribute. And while he's hanging there, after all that they've already done to him, here's what he says. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. To have that much power and yet not use it to harm is exactly what we've been trying to communicate all month long, that you can do something, you can avenge yourself, you can respond, but when you're trying to strive to be gentle like Jesus, there are going to be moments where you're going to have to just not say anything or not respond with vengeance. Because if he could calm the sea, steal the wind, Surely these soldiers that are down here mocking him, surely the one who had the whip, he could have harmed them, but he was a gentle giant 
who understood what his mission was. And here's something for us to know, that as believers, we can never forget what our mission is in the earth. We are called to be God's representatives, his ambassadors, to be his witnesses, and thus we carry him and we carry the witness of him with us every day. So if he understood his mission, and even under all that he had going on, under the pressure, I've thought about this often. What would it take to just keep your mind in such a way that you don't want to respond with vengeance? I found myself wrestling with that at times. When someone has said something to me, and as I think about it, I think, man, I should have. I should have just, I was at the park once. I went up to the park to play some pickup basketball. And it's not like it used to be. Because it was just, you were just up there to play ball. You just play and have a good time. But I, the other two gentlemen that I was playing with, was, they were, we were playing three on three. And they were, we were a little older. And so we got to playing. And so... While we were standing on the side, we saw these young men, and they had been winning. And they were talking trash to everybody. So when our time came up, we went old school. We weren't running fast. We weren't jumping high. But we had them down 7-0. So I thought that this is what we do out here because I've I've been observing them talking trash and, and, and throwing things out there and saying how they were, how good they were. So, so I thought, hey, I'm going to get in on that a little bit. <laughs> so I said, hey, you guys didn't realize what y'all had coming, did you? So when we want to take the ball out, and the way this works, if you're not familiar, when you take it out, you check the ball. So the, the, the defensive team bounces the ball to the person, and he checks it out, and he passes to one of his teammates. Well, when he went to throw it to me to check it, Brother Saul, he threw it so hard that it hit me square in the nose. Now, here's the thing you need to understand. This young man was about 5'1". <laughs> 130 if I put bricks in his pocket. And he threw it, hit me in the nose. I said, the son, it's so naturally, here I am. I'm saying, oh, 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 oh man. <laughs> oh, I don't know what you just did. <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> but as I stand there, the Holy Spirit says no. So I said, I said, sir, listen, since we can't talk, and it seems like it's frustrating you for us to talk, let's just play ball. But I'm going to encourage you, don't do that again. And here's what he said. Had I not had the wisdom of the spirit, I would have responded. What you going to do? And Brother Charles, there was a whole lot of things that came to mind. (laughs) But thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You're here for basketball. And this is what he showed me. He says, there has to be a reason why a man that size 
will respond to a man your size the way he did. I said, he must have something in his car. And so what would have been me just getting with him would have been me having to put him in a headlock and walk myself back to my car and try to get, get away, right? Why? Because it's in those moments where we will be tested to jump outside of who we are that we have to remember who we are and whose we are. I am a child of God and I'm here to represent Christ in this moment. Because here's the thing, Brother Johnny, I had to keep myself in a position where I can bless him when I left. After we whipped him real good, I said, now you have a blessed day. <laughs> because had I got sideways, how do I bless him? So point number two, gentleness is a learned posture. Gentleness is a learned posture. This is important because here's how Jeremiah describes this heart that's in us. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately weak, wicked. Who can know it? See, when you look around and you see all the things that we're seeing on the news, a very sad case I just saw this week where a mother in Houston allowed her boyfriend to beat her eight-year-old son to death. Rather than call the police on him, him and her moved out of the apartment down the road and left her seven, nine, and 15-year-old son in the apartment with the, with the body for over a year. And her response was that she checked in on him every two weeks. When I look at that, I say, my God, how can someone do that? And then I'm reminded of what Jeremiah says, which is why we need the saving grace of Christ, because the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperate. That we could, there's the capacity in anyone to be dastardly just like that. So when we think about the power and the presence of God and our ability to be gentle in a hostile environment, it comes because we, are, we learn it. Because look at verse 29. Here's what Jesus says. He says, take my yoke upon you, here it is, and learn from me. Or depending on the translation you read it, it may say, and, or learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. I'm sure there's some witnesses out here that will say, before I came to Jesus, I didn't take no mess. Before I came to Jesus, boy, I was a, I kept my 357 Magnum ready to respond. Now I still have it, but I just, I don't have the same mindset about it. Why? Because my goal is to be gentle like Jesus. Because we learn how to be gentle through 
the relationship we have with him. Now, in this text, there's something to remind, to, to, for you to know and remember. What Jesus is saying here, because it seems kind of out of place, he just says, well, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. What he's actually referring to is something that they, the, the audience at the time would have understood because the rabbis always spoke of what's, what they call the yoke of the law. And Paul actually refers to this in Acts 15 and 10. Here's what he says. is Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So, so this idea of a yoke was seen as, hey, the law is this yoke upon us. And it's a weighty yoke. Now, here's the thing. Jesus, in speaking of that, he says, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. This is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. So he, we understand that he says that I come to fulfill the law. So when he says in verse 30, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, he was able to say that because Jesus, his mission was coming, his mission in coming was to change the heart of men and to accomplish something that the law was unable to accomplish because he was going to change the heart of men. The law was intended for men to understand if you're going to be in a relationship with God, here's what that relationship, here are the guide rails for that relationship. However, they perceived it only as a rule book. And we all know what happens with rules, right? Once the rule is set, the effort ensues to figure out how to get around it or break it. But Jesus was going to come and change the heart. Now, let me show you, some, show you something real quick, because as we're talking about this yoke, my yoke is easy, and we understand that that yoke, the, the rabbi spoke of it being the yoke of the law, and Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. I want you to see something. Turn, if you would, to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, because in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 6, we actually see what the law's intent was. What did God intend when he gave them this law? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, 5, and 6. Here's what it says. He says, Hear, O Israel, he starts out, the Lord our God, the, the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And verse 6, here it is. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be where? In your heart heart. It wasn't for them to understand what the rules were. It was for them to get these things in their heart and understand that if I'm going to be God's chosen people, here is how I'm going to live my life. So the law's intent was that it would impact the heart of men, but it never moved beyond many of their heads. Just what I think and whether or not I'm going to abide by the rule. Here's something to be mindful of. Because if we're going to be gentle like Jesus, gentleness is going to flow out of a heart that is surrendered to and committed to in its pursuit of Jesus. 
Because the more, as we sung this earlier, that I want to be where you are and I want your glory, I want to, for your glory, I'll do anything. It glorifies God when our lives are lived in gentleness. So we can be where God is and have his glory revealed even in our lives when we recognize the power of a gentle spirit. Here's something to note. Jesus gives us the model, but it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us or enables us to maintain this gentle spirit. See, that's why we have to have him in us because his presence in us helps us to be what we wouldn't be otherwise. See, that old man is still out there. He ain't died. He's still trying to come back and take residence and be, be in control. But we have to die each day and say, no, today I surrender to the will of God and the guidance of his spirit. And here's something to be mindful of. Ezekiel prophesying about what God was going to do when Christ came, he, he gives us a, a picture and note it, you don't have to turn there because I don't want to waste the time uh, uh, waiting to get there, but I just want you to hear this and write, jot this down. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27. Here's what Ezekiel said. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you. Here it is. And cause you to walk in my statutes. See, as we continue to yield to the spirit of God, the spirit of God is, is causing us to walk in it. So you say, pastor, you've been talking about gentleness all this month, and I've been struggling with that because I still want to put my dukes up, but I'm still trying to understand how am I going to do this? You're going to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By saying, Lord, you have to help me because you know how I am. You know about my tongue. You know my past. You know how I like to get busy. You know how I try to get started with things. And I'm only going to be able to do this by your power. So Jesus shows us the way, but the Holy Spirit helps us the way. But you have to be willing to yield to him. You've got to be willing to say, hey, if I do it my way, it won't glorify you, Father. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to do it through me, you can be glorified. Because here's what Acts 1 and 8 says, you should receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We say this every week, that by this all men will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. When you're able to exhibit love, even in turmoil, men will know that we are disciples of the Lord. We say, hey, those are Christians. They're the, ones, they're the ones who are following after the Lord. This is my final point for this morning. Point number three, a gentle spirit is found in the soul's repose. A gentle spirit is found in the soul's repose. But you have to understand, the soul only finds its repose or its rest 
in Jesus. Look at verse 28 and 29, Matthew 11, 28, 29. Here's what it says. Come to me, all you who are labor, who labor and are heavy laden. And there the first one, I will give you rest. Take my yoke, verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me or learn of me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And here, here, here's the last one. And you will find rest for your soul. We say, well, pastor, what does Jesus mean by laboring? Well, the truth of the matter is, all of us come to Jesus having labored to find answers in a world that's filled with questions. You want answers, but the, but, but, but the things around you just give you more questions. We labor for hope in a hope-depraved society. And then we also labor and, and many of us struggle with this to try and keep up with a world that seems to be constantly changing. So he says, come to me, you who are laboring. But then he says, and are heavy laden, laden with what? Recognizing the burden of sin that, hey, I can't pay this debt that I owe. That we're laden with the weariness of searching some have searched for God and have grown weary. Some have searched for truth and grown weary and are laden with the weariness of, of not being able to find this answer. Some of us have searched for peace and became laden with the, worry, the, the weariness of worrying whether or not we will ever have peace. Hope searching for love. He says, come unto me, all you who are laboring and are heavy laden. And he says, I'll give you rest. And if you take my yoke, if you come into relationship with me, you will find rest. Hear this. He says, if you come to me, I will give you rest because you won't have to continue to, to labor to try to find out how. And he says, then you will find rest because the heavy ladenness that you feel becomes lifted because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We had an awesome time in the Lord and we pray that you did as well and want to thank you for visiting the Amity Bible Church. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, we hope to see you then. Be blessed.